Well, I appreciate Pastor Stan. Don't, how many believe he brought a great word last Wednesday night? Were you here? Amen. Glad he's with us. Glad he's in the house. I was in the big campus of Durant, Oklahoma. Hallelujah. And uh, had a great time. It was kind of like a dwelling place service that we do with prophetic words and ministry time. And, and uh, at the end of the service, I want to start with this. At the end of the service, there was a, what I call a prophetic challenge. There was um, a lady that was brought to me by one of our members, and they said, you know, this, uh, this person has been out of church for several years, and they really have questioned in their heart if God even is real, because they feel so disappointed and feel like that God can't hear them. And, and so they actually said that they have a test. And I said, okay. And they said, well, we're, well, we're thinking the test is going to, well, I'll just let her explain it. So she stepped towards me. She said, um, as he said, I've been out of church. I need to know that God is still alive and that he still hears people's prayer requests. And so here's my test. I understand that you are prophetic. And I said, yes, I'm prophetic. And she said to me, if you can tell me the first four numbers of my home address, I will believe that God is still alive. And I immediately, can y'all guess what I did? I immediately bowed my head and closed my eyes. <laughs> and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what her home address is. I don't even know where she lives. But I know that, Lord, you see all. And I know that you're a God that you still see. You're not blind. You're not deaf. And right now, I thank you that you still speak today. So, Lord, speak the, the numbers. I don't know how many, if it's three or four or five. I don't know. But speak the numbers. And I said, Thank you, Holy Spirit. I looked right at this lady and I said that the numbers of your house is four numbers and the numbers are 11, 11. And she began to cry. How many know when those things connect like that and those resonate like that? She said, there is a God. There is a God. Isn't that cool how the Lord uses gifts of the Spirit? How many of you know I did not know? And how many know also were honest when I said 11, 11? I thought, I sure hope it landed. I sure <laughs> I don't like swinging misses. Home run, right? <laughs> so she told me, she said, you know, actually, I, I've recently moved here, and I believe that God is alive and well. Thank you for restoring my faith in the Lord. And so I just thought I'd start with a great testimony of what the Lord was doing. Also that night, I had a word of, of knowledge, and in that word of knowledge, I said, there's someone that on your left knee, you have had operations, you have seen multiple doctors, and now they're telling you that your knee is never going to be the same. But right now, if you would just extend your faith and believe God and believe in the gifts of the Spirit by a word of knowledge, I'm saying God's healing that left knee right now. You're going to feel it right now in Jesus' name. And I said, whoever that is, I need you to come here. And they came and they said, that was me. And you know what happened? I walked like this into the room. And can you see now that I'm walking like this? That the Lord healed that left knee instantly heal that. So what are we talking about, Pastor Terry? We're talking about that God is still a God that does signs and wonders and miracles and healings. He is still a Holy Spirit that still imparts gifts of His Spirit to people. I mean, glad tonight that we're in the room and that we're saved, we're born again, we're Spirit-filled, right? And that we have gifts of the Spirit. In case you don't know what yours is, I'm going to talk about that tonight. Hallelujah. So I'm going to get into the Word tonight. The name of the message tonight is... Stir up the gift. Hallelujah. 
So I was thinking a couple of days ago about the, the age we're living in is still called the church age. The time we're living in is still a writing from the book of Acts that has continued and is still continuing throughout. When I hear our pastors talk about that there is a, it seems to be a great awakening, there needs to be a great awakening, I think about that these signs and wonders and miracles, I think about the early church, and I think about the power, I think about people being saved by hundreds and thousands, I think about people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came into the room, I call it on a jet plane kind of entry, rushing mighty wind and fire settling up on each one's head, hallelujah. Sound like he came into the place, don't you think so? Well, I think I'd like to have been there. I'd have liked seeing Carlos Sue's hair on fire. That'd have been pretty cool. <laughs> or maybe not. So the church age, <laughs> a time where the Holy Spirit came, he still is here, and he still will be here until another time. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you tonight something that I believe that the Lord has, has dropped in my heart about Once we're born again, once we're spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, the Holy Spirit giving spiritual gifts as He wills, that the church is still doing what it needs to be doing with one thing. It needs to be waking up. I need a better witness than that. It needs to be waking up. Those that's watching online, I hope that you're getting this. We need to be waking up. And it's not that the, listen, it's not that the gifts of the Spirit are dead or not active anymore. But in a lot of places, it's just simply dormant. It's like it went to sleep. Well, I hear it in my heart this way, but there's a waking up. There is an awakening. So in the Word, I want to take you through a few verses of Scripture. If you have your Bibles or your smart device, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. If you don't, it'll be on the screen behind me. And so I'm going to read to you about what is known as a couple of the churches where it was defined what the gifts of the Spirit were. This, I don't believe, is, uh, is just the end of the list. I think that there's more. But in Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to go to first, and we're going to read on the screen what these gifts were. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Hallelujah. You ready? This is what it says. Verse 6 says, Having then gifts... Boy, I've got to stop there. Be like Pastor Wayne. I won't be able to read it without saying something. Having then gifts, how many of you are in the camp where I'm so far where then you are a having then gifts? Come on, I need to see the hand. How many of you have a having then gifts? For the rest of you, I'm praying for you. You're going to find out what it is. You're going to get the gift. If you don't know what the gift is, you're going to get the gift. Hallelujah. We even have something, part of our Next Steps program for a while. It was called a spiritual assessment. You could take this test. I already talked about a test. You could take this test and actually pass this test too. Hallelujah. You can ask the questions, go through the question, and it will tell you what your primary spiritual gift is that you have. So here's what I want to say so, you, so it lands, so you can write this note in your, in your notes. There are some things that happened when you became saved. When, when you became born again, it is called innately, I-N-N-A-T-E-L-Y, innately something happened. First of all, when you became saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in your spirit. Write down another verse of Scripture. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit himself bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. He came into your spirit. He sealed the door. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit came to live inside? When He came inside of you, also, whenever you became baptized with the Holy Spirit, 
He also calls for other gifts. There was a gift that came, I believe, when you became born again. At least a guarantee of one gift. There is a gift. There's multiple gifts. You can operate in these, in these I believe, many of them on different times and what the need is for. But, I, man, I just hear it in my heart, but somebody needs to hear tonight. But when you became saved and you got saved, you got at least one gift. So we have a gift. I, I never knew what my gift was. Well, you know that you got a gift. If you need to find out what it is, that's another conversation. Right? But we need to know what it is. And then once we know what it is, here I'm going back to my text. Once you know what that gift is, you cannot stop and the gift just becomes dormant. It just lays there. And I think I have reasons why it might. So the title of the message tonight is, it's not on the screen now, we're going back to the verses, but it is, Stir Up the Gift. We need to wake it up. We need to stir it up. So, having given, then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I put duh in my margin. <laughs> if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Using those gifts, hallelujah. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 4 through 11. We're going to give a little bit of context, a little bit of verses. What are the gifts? So I'm defining a lot of the gifts just in these two passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 says, There are diversities, or there's differences of gifts. Well, I'm glad for that too. It don't have to all to be the same. It gets a little boring if it's all the same. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor Terry, how come there's Baskin-Robbins has 34 or 43 different kinds of ice cream? How come there's so many different flavors? And I said, I can answer that with why there's so many different kinds of churches. It's the same answer. Different strokes for different folks. Some people like vanilla. Some people like... What? Pistachio? Her hair caught on fire tonight. It happened right before. Pistachio? You don't even like pistachio. All different kinds. So there are diversities and differences. It doesn't have to all be the same. Different kinds, different variances of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that gave them. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord that is over them. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation or the revealing of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of... It's not just for you. It's for the profit of all. Well, I'm afraid to use my gift. What if I miss it? What if I'm wrong? What if it, it's for the profit of all. But what if I don't do it like I'm supposed to do it? It's for the profit of all. In other words, if we can get our eyes off of us and just use the gift. Trust the Holy Spirit with the outcome, right? For the profit of all. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, the gift of faith, to another gifts, plural, of healings by the same Spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, listen, 
distributing to each one individually as he wills or as he wills. He's the one that decides. I don't, I, I said actually one time, do I get to choose what gift I want? Can I just decide? I don't want that one. Can we do the, I don't want that one. It's kind of like, let's make a deal. <laughs> I don't want door number one. Can I have door number three? I don't want that gift. And I would have never have dreamt, never would, would I dream in my, in my wildest imagination that the Holy Spirit would give me a gift of prophecy. Never would have dreamed he would give me a gift of a word of knowledge, supernatural knowledge that you don't have. It's something that he gives. And listen, and it's not just talking about me. It's about us individually, as I'm looking around the room, us individually, he gave each of you a gift. Do you know what it is, is first question. If you, if you do know what it is, is it asleep? Or do you need to wake it up? Maybe you need some practice. Maybe you need to start working on that. But, you, but the point is, we need to use it. He didn't give you something, so you just go, okay, I got it. But he gave you something, so we use it for the profit of all. That everyone is blessed and encouraged by. So, with that being said, especially the profit of all, these gifts could be referred to as grace or charisma gifts, meaning that you didn't do anything to earn them. You didn't do anything to work for it. It was not by merit. Rather, because of salvation, you simply received, like salvation, you received this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's what you did. Paul, in writing to a young pastor that he was mentoring named Timothy, he began to write some words to him about these gifts. So in his first letter that he wrote, this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. This is kind of getting into the heart of the message, what I want you to hear. I laid the foundation. Now listen, this is what he said. He wrote to that young pastor and he said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. How did it come? Which was given in his case, was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Timothy received his gift of prophecy with the laying on of hands and by the eldership. He received this gift, and then Paul writes and tells him that don't neglect, neglect the gift that is in you. And listen, he, was, he wasn't writing about his faith or about his character. In other writings, he said, he said, man, your faith is doing good, your character's doing good. But he's writing specifically saying, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect it. So I was curious. So I dug out a concordance. Anybody have any strong concordances, those big, thick jumbo books? Hallelujah. Looks like family Bibles. <laughs> I looked it up, and I wanted to see what in the world does neglect mean. And so the original word in the Greek, the New Testament that is written in, it's a word that is called amaleo. And amaleo, neglect, meant do not overlook or regard lightly, as well as to not think about or to pay no attention to. And so the wording is that kind of a neglect that you need to pay attention to. Don't overlook it or regard it as lightly or don't think about, pay no attention to that. So in other words, there can be a gift that is dormant, that lays in our spirit, dormant, not being used. And so neglected is this, we just don't keep paying attention to it. Yeah, I think I know what it is, but I uh. Right? So in this, then, in, in the first word, I, did, I just prayed a little bit more and thought a little bit more about what does this mean. And I believe 
that what I heard in my heart was for us tonight, in the room tonight, and for those watching online, is, and I asked this, ask about a question, why would Timothy, or these words written in a Bible for us, why would it mention, don't neglect your gift? And I believe that I have possibly three reasons, so I need you to write this down. If you don't write anything else down tonight, you need to write this down, because this is a biggie. Hallelujah. And I tried to make it so that I, you could remember it, if it's hard to remember these words, because most of them start with the letter D. And I got three Ds. Okay? So this is the word. Possibly three reasons why people neglect their gift. Number one is the word disappointment. By disappointment. And I thought, I tried it and it didn't work. Or it wasn't producing according to my expectations. It wasn't for me. It didn't work. So it's disappointment. And I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but there's been times I think that that's what people face. It didn't work like I thought it would. So they become disappointed, so it becomes dormant. Number two, the second one, possible reasons, and there may be more. I just thought of three. Why that people might neglect their gift. Number two is the word deterrent. There's a deterrent. It could be that people were were hurt by the remarks or the criticism of others. It wasn't received. And so because it wasn't received, it kind of like it bounced back. Well, that, I've tried it. It didn't work. So I, it just, I just need to put that away. Don't ever think about that or use that again. And so they, they get in that world of just, man, it just didn't land. Number three. Third reason is because it gets redirected. It's redirected thoughts, which is, and this is probably the strongest one of all, is the fear of failing. Listen, and I heard it like this in my heart. Why try if it's not going to work? You don't even try the process. You don't even try to operate in the gift. You don't even try, even though it's for the profit of all. We go through this, why, why try and do you all hear the word in that when it's supposed to be for the profit of all, and yet it still is reflecting back on us? How this might affect me? So it's a redirected thoughts. It's like we take a detour on that. So, thinking about that and thinking about we don't need to be caught in all of that world of those things, but instead... The focus is, listen to this, is that we are people that we recognize the, the Holy Spirit imparted a gift for a reason. And He gave you an individually particular one for a reason. So we have that, not to let these other things get us off track, but we have these things so we can begin, we still have to mix faith with it, we still have to believe by faith with it, but we still have to walk in operation of the gift and not just put it in our pocket. Now just hide it in our heart, okay? In the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, actually six years later, so when he's writing this letter, Paul's writing the letter to Timothy now, he's actually in, uh, most scholars believe, in the end, end of his life. He's, he's in Rome in this prison now. The other one was about in the middle of the, of the missionary journeys and all those things that he took. Now, six years later, he's writing a second letter to him. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says these words. It says, Therefore, 
I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, the laying on of hands. You know, and I have, I, I put the uh, stir up in that yellow. Well, actually, they put it in yellow. Thank you, Mac, in yellow. But I want you to see the last part of the phrase, through the laying on of, of hands. So here's a question. So is the only way that the Holy Spirit imparts gifts unto people is through the laying on of hands. It's not the only way. There can be other ways, but that is, biblically, that is one of the ways. Can I get a witness? Is that is okay? So, which is, and I, man, I just, when I read this and was reading and, and thinking about this, and I saw which is in you, it, it resonated within me. This is not just something you carry around in a pamphlet and keep it in your coat pocket. It's something that is a gift from the Holy Spirit that He imparted to you and gave to you that is a part of you. It's in you, which is in you. I thought, that's pretty cool. No, it's in you. I know. No, you don't understand, Terry. It's in you. I, I know. Well, why do you think that it's out here somewhere? It's not out there somewhere. It's in you. I know. Am I supposed to be able to find it? Where, where, uh, where in me? It's in your spirit. And it operates and comes up through your soul to communicate with other people because people mainly listen to us through their soul rather than spirit-to-spirit witness, okay? So it's a, it's, a, it's a gift that came, and he said it specifically in this part, to stir up, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. So I looked up the word since I had out my family Bible, Strong's Concordance. I, lo- I went over and I looked up the word stir up. And stir up is actually in the English, but it's stir up in the Greek. It's one long word. And I'm going to try to pronounce it. Anazopereo. Anazopereo. It's one word that's talking about to stir up. But this is the original meaning of what anazopereo meant. It means to revive a fire or to cause something to begin again. And I immediately had a flashback to two or three weeks ago now when all the winter came to Texas. Hallelujah. And I don't know about y'all, but our power went off for about six, eight hours. It went off. And we have a fireplace in our house. And so I didn't think about, we need to get like a, a cord. Is that the right word, Pastor Stan? A cord of wood? A bunch of wood. I didn't think about that. And, and so I didn't know what to do. And time I go to the store to get these plastic wrap wood pieces, they're gone. They're all gone. And I, I, so I thought, well, we, have a, we don't have a gas fireplace. We've got a wood fireplace. And so I, I went to Lowe's, no firewood. I went to Home Depot, no firewood. I went in every grocery store and Family Dollar and Dollar General and no firewood. I told Carl, say, well, I guess we could just start hacking up burning furniture. <laughs> New furniture. <laughs> so what I did is I went back to, I went to uh, one of the other Lowe's I went to, and I started looking for scrap wood. I know you don't have firewood, but I'll get some scrap wood. So I took it home. Now listen I did not have any electricity. 
And I had now bought wood, but I had no way to cut the wood up. I mean, do I put a whole piece of plywood in there and let it kind of burn down? So I'm telling her, I, I, I don't know, is it safe to burn plywood in a... Oh, he's shaking his head, no. Well, praise you God, we were safe. We were okay. But here's my point. As all of those pieces of fire, as it brought, first of all, a heat in our living room for us to keep us warm, as it began to burn down and it became embers glowing red embers in the fireplace. I remember sitting there and going, you know what, I need to re-engage with the fire. I need to poke these embers a little bit. And when I poked those embers a little bit, the, the little red glowing pieces of wood turned into a blaze. And I was remembering that when I was praying about this message. To revive a fire or to cause something to begin again. So it's not just an awakening, it's not just dormant, but our part is to stir it up. So what is stirred up? We are in charge of our poker. (laughs) We're in charge of poking our embers. I'm not in charge of poking your embers and making your embers turn into fire, but we are. So we are to stir that up. Now, in the next verse... In verse number 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, uh, this was also really cool to me because it's a, a very familiar verse. Many of you, you can quote this verse. It's going to come up on the screen, 2 Timothy 1, 7. But I promise you tonight, in my, my kind of concluding, kind of wrapping this up for us tonight, I believe that, that the Lord showed me something specifically for this service, for you as an individual. And notice what we're talking about, about stirring up a gift. And the next verse says... 2 Timothy 1, seven, For God has not given us a spirit of what? But of power and of, and of. He gave us those three things. The word for in the New Testament is like the word because. So we're reading in context, which I just read to you, that he wants us to stir up again, make alive again, cause it to come, come into those embers into flame again, not be dormant to rise again. And then he says, in doing that, next verse seems weird. For, because God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. What does that have to do with us stirring up the gift and causing things to become a flame of fire? What does that have to do with that? Because in most, most circles, when we read that verse, it, it's a standalone verse, and we're able to quote it, and we're thinking about something else by itself. God hadn't given us the spirit of fear, power, and love, and assignment, right? And yet, in context, what he said was, don't, don't neglect the gift in the first letter. This one, stir up the gift. And by the way, when you're stirring up the gift, you need to know because of what is about to happen. Yeah, they're there. Well, I'm circling them, coming in. For... God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm going to work on the word fear. A spirit of fear, a, a fear. And that Greek word is, the, is a Greek word, original language, uh, dilia. And the word dilia means, boy, it means timidity which comes by intimidation. 
God hadn't given you a, or a spirit has launched something to cause timidity because of intimidation. But what he has given instead, I'll say it another way, and I'll tell you what he's, what he's going to say. In other words, you became timid from being intimidated. And he says that was actually a spirit that did that. It wasn't something that just happened in the fertility of your own mind. It was something that happened by an attack, a demonic influence that, that used somebody. How I many of you know that not only can God speak through people, but also the devil can, right? It was a demonic influence that came, and the, and the target, the weapon of that was a fear. And listen, it wasn't a scared fear. Make you run off scared, but it was an intentional aimed weapon to cause for you to be intimidated and to become timid and bashful and not bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion to make you timid and bashful and shy and not talk. Good news is, in the next part, he says, for if you know what happened to you, then he says, But listen, because it's not going to work, because these are the ways that you're going to operate in these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. But instead, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the flowing in and by the stream of love being communicated by use of a sound mind. Let me say it again. Instead of it being an intimidation and timidity and all those things, no. Instead, because we know what it was, we're able to recognize what's going to happen. Instead of that and being timid, instead of that, it's going to be an operation of, it's going to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit, flowing in and by the stream of love, communicating by the use of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Power, love, and a sound mind. We just needed a little bit of what does that mean? Operating in power, operating in that flow, love, stream of love. Because if we don't deliver it in love, then people's not going to get it. And then it has to be the sound mind. And the only sound mind that I know sound mind is Romans 12 where the mind is being renewed by the word. If that's a sound mind, Right? And in our spirit, we have the mind of Christ. We're getting there. It's working towards. But I like the way that he said it to his young Timothy and said, by also, and it's going to come by a sound mind. So I'll begin to speak that over me the last couple of days. I thank you, God, I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, everything that comes out of my mouth is intended to be in that communication of love to people. And I thank you that it comes through not a mind that has struggled and confused and bewildered, but it comes through use of a mind that has been renewed and is now announced as and declared as as a sound mind. Hallelujah. So, in conclusion then, my question to you is, did God give you a gift? I need a little bit stronger affirmation. Did God give you a gift? He gave everyone, not me, yes, yes, he did. If you're saved, if you're born again, he gave you a gift. You just don't know what it is. You don't know how to, what it is. You don't know how to operate in it. But I promise you, he gave you a gift. And in giving you that gift, second part of that question, do you know what it is? 
And if you don't know what it is, I already told you, one of the references you can have is you can take a spiritual test. Spiritual gifts test. Take the test. Find out what that is. Next part. Instead of neglecting it, instead of stirring it up, we, instead it's already a grace gift that we have, and in simplicity it just simply means we need to use it. How many of you are glad tonight that we're in a church where we can use it? Are you glad that you're a part of the kingdom of God where you can use it? Are you glad you don't have to just be in church just to use it? I had an experience in IHOP Tuesday. I, I called the booth that I sit in, booth 70, affectionately, my office away from my office. And I had a, a young man that I've known for years in, in going to IHOP here. And he came up to me and, and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Tui. And I said, how you doing? He said, you having coffee today? I said, no, I've already had four. I've been up since four, so I had four. <laughs> what? Um, he said, what you want for breakfast? And I, I said, well, I'd, my usual is fine. He said, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, it's that other lady knows what the usual is. So I told him. And then he looked at me, and he had one of those big masks, one of those goes all the way around your head, neck mask, up over the nose mask, like a bandit kind of mask. And he looked at me, and he said, I've known you a long time. And I looked back at him, and I said, I've, I've known you several years as well. He said, I see you out here often with people. And um, I said, go ahead. What else do you see? I see you praying with people. I see you reading Bible with people. Yeah. There's something about that that, well, from my country, I don't understand. And I said, what is it that you don't understand? I don't understand what this is and what y'all talk about and what seems to, but I, I know it's something that I'm, I'm curious about. And I said, what are you curious about? What do you, what do you call this? I said, this biblical word is called fellowship. I said, it's called love. It's called that we're brothers and sisters, and brothers and si- spiritual family, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, pulled his mask down. He said, how do you get in this family? And I said, can you have a seat? Sure. So the person I was with said, I'll scoot over. They sat down and he said, family, family, love, love. I, I feel so unloved. I feel no family. What is this family? I said, it's called the family of God. How do I, I can be in this family? You sure can. How? By becoming what we call saved or born again. I said, do you know what that means? No. So I explained a little bit about salvation. And when I finished the salvation, he said, so how do I get there? I I believe that. I, I think that's true. How do I get there? And I said, there's nothing magical about what I'm about to say. But there's something about faith, which is believing God, trusting God, and what you're saying, you're believing. And if you say it and believe in your heart what we're talking about, then the Bible says that you're going to be saved. All of your sins are going to be forgiven. Your conscience is going to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And He's going to make you different on the inside. And you're also going to, in that moment, 
become a part of the family of God. And he said, so I just pray. I said, just repeat this after. I led him in the prayer, Pastor Stan. And when I led him in the prayer, he said, Amen. I said, Amen. Ah. Wait, I feel different. Wait, what is that? I said, it's called salvation. I I feel clean. I feel feel light. I feel, I could run around this IHOP. I said, I understand the feeling. And he said, that's really, really good to know that your sin's forgiven. He said, yes, it is. Man, so now I'm in family? Now you're in family. Okay, I'll go back to work. So the point of that is it's not just in church, right? It's in all these other places, and we just have to be paying attention to who's asking. Who, what are they asking us? What are they looking for? What, when people look at you and you just prayed with someone, and that curiosity strikes their heart, and it's like, listen, it's not an intimidation to them. It's an invitation to them, and we need to pay attention and be bold, not timid. But do it in the power and love and a sound mind. Amen.